What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. The show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io. That's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. In this episode, we speak with Sean Papanicholas, founder and CEO of Cargo. Sean has extensive experience as a developer, as well as a founder of various businesses. Frustrated after being shut out by a payment processor he was trying to use for his crypto project, Sean founded Cargo to solve the problem himself. Cargo is a service platform that securely tokenizes tangible and digital assets on the Ethereum blockchain, allowing anyone to buy, sell, auction, trade, or transfer those assets in a decentralized way to unlock new economies and let users keep more of what they earn. We speak with Sean about the experience that drove him to start Cargo and how he has bootstrapped Cargo and extended the solution he built for himself to the developer community. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Fork the Product. Today, we are speaking with Sean Pepinicolis from Cargo.Build. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Excited to talk about Cargo. Awesome. Well, why don't we dig right in? If you wouldn't mind, can you start us off by just giving us a high-level view of what Cargo is and how it can be used? Yeah, definitely. So Cargo is a service platform that allows you to create, uh, manage, sell, transfer non-fungible tokens. There's uh, a couple ways to create these tokens. There's a dashboard where you can create the contracts right from the website, or there's also Cargo.js, which is a JavaScript SDK that allows you to create these contracts and tokens programmatically. So basically, any developer or business who is building a product that relies on non-fungible tokens, they can use Cargo as the underlying infrastructure. To expand on that a little bit more, just for listeners who are still getting their feet wet with NFTs and, and the concepts and terminology around it, can you give us just a couple of example use cases of where Cargo fits in for you know, a particular type of NFT? Yeah, definitely. So really, there's so much you can do with non-fungible tokens. So we saw CryptoKitties, like that's the go-to example of you know, a successful non-fungible token product. Each cat is a non-fungible token. Then, you know, you can create more cats by playing the game and breeding them. You can trade your cats, you can sell them in open marketplaces. Um, but then, you know, non-fungible tokens, they work with more things than just games, right? So I can't say too much about this, but somebody approached me basically wanting to tokenize, let's say, uh, lemon trees, right? So they, they had a field of lemon trees, right? And this prominent lemon tree business. And this business sold lemons. And the idea was to tokenize each lemon tree, and then somebody could buy into or invest into these uh, digital representations of 
the lemon trees and then owners of the tokens would you know get a percentage of the profits of lemons sold so outside of things like crypto kitties the nft can be a digital representation of any physical or non-physical asset that that's awesome that, that's really helpful too fascinating stuff so would love to hear a bit about your background and how you came to work at cargo yeah definitely so I've always been into computers and coding. You know, it's always been a passion of mine. You know, I made websites when I was like nine years old. My dad got a computer. It had the internet and I was just so captivated by it. And uh, I remember reading some, um, like, I don't know, some magazine, PC magazine. um, And there was an article about this 13-year-old kid who created this successful online business that adds your website to search engines and I and being like nine, 10 years old, I'm like, that is awesome. That's what I want to do. And so ever since then, you know, I've kind of had this passion to build cool products that, you know, people like. So fast forward, you know, I'm a software engineer. Um, I work in San Francisco and a couple of years ago, I was building a digital collectible mobile app, right? So people could collect these characters they were tied to the blockchain using non-fungible tokens and they could collect the characters, earn badges, you know, connect with their friends. And I wanted to abstract all of the blockchain stuff out of it. So, you know, as we know, there's a big barrier to entry when people have to learn how to use a wallet and have to, you know, all, all the all the all the UX barriers that go into playing something like CryptoKitties, right? With the wallet and buying crypto and understanding crypto and sure, yeah. gas and everything. So I wanted to abstract that and just allow people to buy the collectibles using a credit card and then also, you know, sell the collectible and just get paid in U.S. dollars. And so I was implementing Stripe. So Stripe has a great API that allows these kind of marketplace platforms to be built. Built the mobile app, you know, had everything working and went to turn on Stripe for production and then got an email from them basically saying they can't support my business, right? Because to an underwriter, crypto is very high risk. Anything you mentioned token to an underwriter or a payment processor, and they don't want to touch it with a you know hundred foot stick because you know all the regulations and things, it, uh, all the complexity is there. So you know some back and forth, and basically the answer was just no, right? So I'd implemented all the code and uh, built the whole thing, but now I have no way to you know do the payments. And you know, granted, I should have figured out that they were not going to support me before I had built the whole thing, but I just assumed that they would. Um, so kind of scrambling for another payment processor, found a company called Blue Snap and was in touch with them. The guy I was talking to assured me, yes, we can support your business. You know, I said, okay, great. Implemented their stuff, implemented their code into the app. And then he went dark for a while, like a week later or so, I heard back from him. The underwriters say, we can't do it. And again, you know, and I've, and I've spent a lot of time building this application. Yeah. Right? Like the front end, the back end, and then plus all the smart contract stuff. So it's, it's a lot of work had gone into it and, um, and including the art as well uh, for the collectibles. And so then, you know, I had to look for a high risk merchant account. Um, and even the high risk merchant merchants, you know, were saying, no, we can't do this. We won't do this. And I finally found one. But at that point, I, it kind of hit me that I was running into the same problems. Like the reason the, the original Bitcoin blockchain was created was, you know, to negate uh, centralization of power. 
right? And so here I am running into that same problem where the centralization of power, you know, the payment processors, they're saying, no, you can't do this. But even when I thought it was good to go and I tried to get it into the app store, you know, Apple said, no, you can't do this unless you pay us 30% of each sale. So Apple has the app store, very centralized payment processors and banks. They decide who gets to sell what and when. And so here I am running into centralization of power. And that's when it hit me. You know what? I need to rebuild this in a decentralized way using crypto. Like I know the UX problems, but, you know, this kind of goes against like the the ethos of crypto, right? So like I'm trying to do it in a centralized way and it's just not working, right? And then, and then it kind of, I kind of realized, well, if I'm having this problem, you know, other people are going to be having this problem. And that's when the idea of, cargo struck me so like i'm, I'm going to rebuild dolly right the collectible app but i need an infrastructure to power this marketplace sure and and so that's and that's what led to cargo right so then then i started working on cargo and i've actually rebuilt dolly using cargo so cargo's done dolly's done you know it's decentralized sounds like you went through a, a bunch of hurdles and a lot of frustration there so i i think as is common with a lot of really anybody who starts things uh, out of their own frustrations. Like, yeah, it seems like a great example of, you know, scratching your own itch. You said that as you sort of pivoted towards building the infrastructure, you had a moment where you realized, well, other developers must be having this problem too. I'm curious, did you, along the way, did you connect with the community and, and validate those ideas at all? Or what did that process look like? In a way, so I'm, I'm lucky to have to work and have worked with, you know, really smart people who are in, you know, the tech world. And, you know, the whole time I'm kind of like bouncing ideas off of them. And, you know, some people are more engineers and some are more, you know, in, in on the financial side of things. And so along the way, the idea was validated and like what's possible if, if you could have an infrastructure to create these tokens. That makes total sense. And I think you know, one of the themes that emerges for us as we continue to talk to people in the space who are building things is because it's so, it, it's kind of a tightly knit community, surprisingly. I mean, even though it's so decentralized, there's a lot of conversations happening and a lot of collaboration happening. Yeah. And I think that, you know, lots of people are kind of looking left and right at their peers and seeing that they're struggling with the same problems. So, which is great. I mean, I think that's, that's the way, you know, a lot of these ideas get off the ground. It's like, we have to build things for ourselves before we can offer them to the rest of the world. Would love to understand what was the evolution of the sort of go-to-market strategy for you? Like once you built up everything on cargo and, you know, you rebuilt Dolly, I guess what was your approach to identifying the target market and then how did you then take that to market and roll it out to those folks? Initially building cargo, I thought uh, digital artists, right? Because I think we've seen that's another use case that's that's working. You know, there's a lot of digital art marketplaces cropping up, you know, like Super Rare and Maker's Place. So we saw that that's something that works with non-fungible tokens and people are starting to adopt that. And so that was my initial thought. I was like, okay, maybe I build cargo and then I get artists to do user testing. And what I found was that it was a little too complex for people who didn't understand what I was doing. And so I shifted from having this be a platform where an artist can go and upload their stuff to more along the lines of Stripe, right? So Stripe is very developer-centric, business-centric, 
provides an APIs to handle your business's payments. And so I shifted towards, okay, well, I think I'd rather target businesses and developers. And I saw that there was kind of a gap in the ecosystem where there's nothing really like that, right? And if you believe that non-fungible tokens have a future, then there needs to be something like that. And I realized that if that's going to happen, then I can be at the forefront of that with Cargo. And so did some user testing with developers and, you know, being an engineer, I know a lot of developers, so I was able to user test with them. And the consensus was, yes, this is cool. I understand it. And if I had something to sell or tokenize, I would use it. I was curious, now that you've launched it and you went through that process, what was the sort of conclusion that you came to in terms of what are the developers in your target market now developing? Yeah, sure. So uh, there's been some interesting stuff, like some games, uh, like kind of just text-based games I've seen. And then other stuff is digital art, but more coming from like developers creating like a marketplace for their digital art. And then you know, other stuff like like the lemon tree example, somebody approached me with a similar product that they wanted to build and it didn't really, it, that didn't pan out. But, you know, also talking with somebody about potentially using non-fungible tokens for things like carbon offsets mm. and then also investing in like kind of like a crypto 401k. Can non-fungible tokens be used oh, interesting. in that sense? Yeah. So a lot of interesting things and, and Cargo still in its very early stages released like a soft launch where... Okay, you can create tokens. Uh, recently launched a contract that allows you to create an infinite amount of tokens at one time, uh, of non-fungible tokens at one time. And when I say infinite, I mean the largest number that Ethereum can handle, which is like two to the power of 255. That was a really big win for Cargo since nobody's really done that. And so now my focus is finding valuable partnerships so you can do things with cargo that weren't possible, like the batch minting. And, and now that you can batch mint, the realization has come that, okay, so now we can mint a million tokens, but we also want to do something with the batch. Like we want to be able to transfer the batch and sell the batch. And so that's the next thing that cargo is going to release is something I'm working on now, which is, you know, the batch transfers and the batch selling, which is it's a very it's kind of a complicated thing to figure out. But definitely necessary if we're going to scale a non-fungible token. If I can dig on that for a second, would the concept of buying a batch, is that like uh, being able to buy a lot of items or what's the, I'm trying to imagine the use case for the batch transfer. Yeah. So, so the batch mint, so like, for example, like, let's go back to the lemon tree example. If you have 7,000 lemon trees, you want to batch create 7,000 at one time rather than, you know, the cost of creating one at a time. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. And if I can ask one quick clarifying question, are you the only person working on Cargo right now or do you have other team members? No, I'm the only person right now who's done the development and product design. I've I've contracted a few people to help, but uh, for the most part, I've done the entire thing, which, you know, I'm able to move quickly and build. But at the same time, it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, currently uh, I'm looking for valuable partnerships, you know, talking to some people and right now just early stage talks. But, you know, I'm looking to grow and scale. And I'm curious, are you it sounds maybe like you're targeting users that apart from maybe digital artists and stuff like that, um, it sounds like perhaps you're targeting enterprise and small to medium-sized businesses. Is that right? Yeah, totally. I'd love to just hear a little bit about some of the objections that you hear as you speak to folks or or even some of the trends that you're hearing in terms of you know people starting to open up to 
using you know decentralized blockchain technology for supporting their business in some way. It's still new. We're all still experimenting and seeing what works and seeing where this fits. You know, I think the thing that I'm most excited about right now is the talks that I'm having around using non-fungible tokens as an investment tool and seeing what can be built around that. If I can take things a little bit of a different direction for a minute. So Sean, I know that you're kind of a one-man operation. You've had some outside helpers and some of the, the other aspects of the business. Obviously, like you mentioned, that's a huge challenge sometimes because there's so much to get done. And we've talked to teams that, you know, even when you have 10 people to tackle the roadmap, it's tough to figure out what you're going to work on and where to spend your focus and your energy. In your case, I'm just curious, you know, what are your most pressing challenges right now as you try to work through building the business or gaining user adoption or developing community for the developers that might be your early adopters? The biggest challenge is lack of time. Like I've kind of pinpointed the most important things in my mind to build, which is the stuff that's going to help non-fungible tokens scale, like the, the batch stuff. And then another challenge is doing you know, the marketing side of it and getting the word out, right? So my initial plan is to create as much value as I can by creating these features that will help NFTs scale and then, you know, slowly build a base by providing the best service out there. Cargo is the only thing that allows you to create an infinite amount of non-fungible tokens. And, and I plan to keep it that way, at least for a while, you know, until somebody else figures it out. And, and, and that's kind of a interesting thing. So like it's a very open community and, you know, a lot of open source stuff, but at the same time, you know, we live in this capitalistic society and it's like cargo is a business and like I'm one person and how do I keep a competitive edge? Like yeah. I, want, I want to tell the world, this is how you batch mint non-fungible tokens. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, is the team with 10 guys and funding going to take that and totally destroy me. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's definitely a tricky balance. One of the things that you just mentioned is, uh, you know, figuring out how to get the word out and marketing cargo essentially. And because you are working toward a, an audience that is, you know, it's a developer audience, um, at least in my experience, I think that the marketing approaches to that type of audience are always different. Um, I think the way that you present your product is much different than you might like, you know, just an app or, you know, B2C product. And because you come from a developer background, I'm curious what your perspective is on how you go about approaching that market with a product like Cargo and, and really building uh, some excitement and also, you know, not coming off in a way that's going to turn that audience off. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think it's important to build trust, like within a developer community, because developers, they, they see a product and I think more than most people you know, if it's a good technical product and it works well, like that's one way to gain trust, right? So my initial plan is, you know, kind of start small, you know, and like uh, meetups and developer threads and Reddit and discussions and kind of, you know, slowly build, you know, an audience, not, not too quickly, right? Because sure. yeah. uh, there's so much code, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of lines of code for the smart contracts and and the javascript library that i don't want to scale too fast right because there may be things that need to be fixed or that aren't quite right or maybe they could be better and you know i want to do that i'll be able to do that without having thousands of people using it right so in, in a sense it's kind of good to the way that i'm doing it is kind of slowly getting users and 
you know, being able to iterate and being only one person that helps. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I was wondering, and always curious to understand what are some of the other tools that you're building uh, cargo around like MetaMask and what are some of the challenges around working with that? and sort of designing the experience of cargo. I mean, you know, MetaMask and other wallets, you know, I'm very grateful for them, right? That there's there's a group of people who are really focusing on that side of things and which allows other people like myself to focus on, you know, building products, right? So they're focusing on this UX problem with the wallets and everything. And then, you know, we're over here building apps that use those wallets. Um, so, you know, there's, there's tricky UX with this stuff, right? So, so I, I utilize web three, which is a kind of the go-to JavaScript library to interact with the blockchain and, and it, and MetaMask incorporates it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of UX trickery, right? Like you submit a transaction and things are happening in the background and you want to show your user something. And so, you know, it's important to kind of keep the user in the loop as far as what's going on. So, you know, if you're using MetaMask, there's pop-ups to show you about your transactions. But if you're not, you know, Cargo has nice trans- or, uh, pop-ups that come up and say, okay, you've just submitted a transaction. It's pending. You can look at it. You know, and, and then I leveraged backend services as well, like cu- custom backend services that I made that kind of uh, allow you to interact with the blockchain without having a wallet. So, and I think that's important. Like if somebody is building a marketplace for digital items, you want people to view, be able to view your items without having to uh, download a wallet like MetaMask. Um, and so, so that's something that Cargo provides. Like if you create a contract and create a bunch of items and set them for sale, like you can, you can query that stuff without any wallet, just using the Cargo backend. Hmm. That's Super interesting. Yeah. I, again, we keep hearing that there's such a long tail of tools, obviously MetaMask and, you know, there are a handful that perhaps take the lion's share uh, when it comes to, you know, browser plugins and wallets, but, you know, it, it seems to be increasingly difficult to build some type of decentralized application to accommodate all of those. In some ways, it actually, it makes me think of internet browsers. And, you know, I, I always think of like, oh God, do we have to support like Internet Explorer? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not as bad. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of bad, but not that bad. Clearly still, still yeah. young enough that it's not the you know the space is young enough that that's not such a challenge um but i do think sorry to sorry to jump in here but i do think it for the user right it definitely creates this weird space that we have to work through as an ecosystem because you know the experience that you go through with coinbase wallet is totally different than the experience you go through with metamask is totally different than you know the next wallet that's going to come out and i think if we don't start to as an industry you know at least build things towards if it's not a standard, at least being hyper collaborative about this, you know, I think the chances for users getting over that hump go way down. Oh, absolutely. I wanted to switch it up a little bit. And, you know, I was wondering, I know you're a one man band for the moment, but have you taken on or are you looking to get any type of funding for cargo at this point? Um, you know, so, so that's something I've thought about. Um, basically my goal is to stay as scrappy as possible for as long as possible. And so far, you know, I've been able to do that. 
while it's been a lot of work, you know, a lot of late nights and early mornings, um, like I, I said before, you know, I want to add as much value as possible before I, you know, really start seriously looking for funding and even partners. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've looked for partners before and it's like, okay, like what can this person bring? Um, and do I really want to give up part of this company uh, to bring that person on? And so far the answer has been no, but I think now I'm getting to the point where, okay, like now there's some pretty good value here with the batch minting stuff and the batch transfers. And, and so now I'm starting to think a little bit more about funding. If I can follow on with that for one second, I'm curious, Sean, is the hesitation to, to go out and seek additional funding right now, is that because of equity, because of you know your speed to be able to do things at, or a little bit of both, or maybe some other reason? Um, you know, I think, I think equity and, and, and then it's like, okay, you know, is cargo ready to present to the world and say, Hey, you know, here's this thing, give me money. And I think for a while, you know, it wasn't, but you know, it's getting to the point where it's definitely, I mean, I see it as, you know, a contender, you know, given that you had mentioned you have worked with contractors a little bit. I, I was curious to understand what that experience was like. I know even for myself, but also I think for our listeners who may be crypto curious and haven't quite delved into the space yet, or even people who are in the space and, you know, are in similar positions like a one man band, but, you know, what was that process like and where, where did you start looking for contractors? Um, How are you managing those and so on? Yeah. So I've actually had really good luck with uh, the company Upwork. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Oh yeah. I am. Yeah. 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 Upwork, you know, website to find, freelancers essentially so i've had really good luck you know finding quality people on there um like people to help with marketing and also design and ux you know i didn't have to deal with anybody who wasn't skilled right so i I found skilled people right off the bat so so that was good um and then i think the longest time i worked with a contractor for cargo was the design and the ux of the website itself and you know, I found a designer who was really great. Uh, she's actually from Ukraine, and now I use her for all of the design stuff. Um, but, you know, we just talked through the UX, and she did a really good job translating that to what you see on the site today. And, you know, I think it works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was actually one of the first things that caught my attention about Cargo. Um, even before I dug into the product, I was like, wow, this is this is a nice looking site. This looks like, the, you know, the documentation is laid out really nicely. I'm curious, uh, when you went to go find your UX partner, what were the type of vetting criteria or what kind of questions did you ask in that process? Because I know we, we've definitely talked to people who look for help on that front. And I think it's a little bit, having a UX background myself, I think that it can be difficult to really vet whether or not a designer has kind of the requisite knowledge to understand the nuances of, of crypto to really translate that into a smooth experience. Well, you know, obviously, like the first thing I saw was this person's work, like what what have they done? Um, have they done any crypto related stuff? You know, so first it's like, okay, what does your design look like? Does it catch my eye? Yes, it does. Lucky for me, like this person had worked on a blockchain project before, so kind of understood crypto a little bit and transactions and stuff like that. And And so it laid a good foundation, but also I think one of the most important things is like, is this person going to be able to communicate with me and work with me and not go dark on me and like deliver designs? So like I look for that kind of professional experience, right? Absolutely. And do you have experience collaborating with designers through your day job? 
Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I actually started off when I was in school, I was kind of like a mixture of design and computer science. And so I have kind of an eye for design. Um, And then, you know, working uh, professionally as an engineer, you know, I'm very familiar with working with designers and product teams and understanding how that process works and what makes it successful. So there are two questions we like to close out our conversations with. So I think I'll take the first one. Zach will tackle the last one. The first one is... What's keeping you up at night about cargo? Uh, funny, funny you should ask that. I actually popped wide awake at about 3.30 a.m. this morning uh, <laughs> thinking, thinking about how I'm going to solve the batch transfer stuff and then also you know, how to keep that also adhering to the ERC 721 spec. But good news is I think you know about an hour before we started recording, I got it. So all the tests were passing. So that, that, was, that, was, that was the one thing. So maybe I'll sleep better tonight. That was literally keeping you up at night. <laughs> literally, literally yeah. keeping me up at night. Yep. For the second question, I, I actually may want to split it up into two sub questions. And I'll start with the first one, which is what are some of the interesting forward looking trends within you know, the crypto space that are exciting to you? And, you know, do you have any visions for perhaps applying that to cargo? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, I think the ERC 721 standard is great, right? I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And so I think it's good the way it is. And I think uh, some some other standards have cropped up maybe because of the challenges, like the engineering challenge of scaling ERC 721. You know, but I hope that people will realize that, okay, well, now we can scale ERC 721. You know, Cargo's figured it out. Can you actually... Um explain in a little more detail what some of the challenges are like what exactly do you mean by difficulty scaling ERC721 sure you know i think one of the most obvious for me is without using something like cargo and and just using the spec as is you're kind of tied to minting one token at a time and each time you create a token you know that's a single transaction that costs a little bit of money Right. So maybe 50 cents, you know, so you can see if you have to mint a lot of tokens, you know, that's going to add up. Right. And that's not you can't scale that. Right. If you need to mint a million tokens, it makes no sense to mint them one at a time. So that's one thing. So like being able to create, manage, transfer tokens in bulk. And I think that's probably the biggest block to scalability for ERC-721, at least in my mind, is that it doesn't make sense to do transactions one at a time for a single token, right? We need a way to efficiently manage millions of tokens all at once. So final question, Sean, if you fast forward five years from now, what's your vision about how the world is different with cargo in it? You know, I I envision a world where NFTs are kind of just like a standard thing, you know, and I think that cargo can be at the forefront of that. Some people just get digital ownership, right? From from the tests I've done with people, some people just get it, right? They, oh, that makes sense. Like, okay, I grew up on the internet. Like, I know that makes sense. Like, I should be able to own something digitally. And I think it's only a matter of time before NFTs really catch on, right? So, like, it's kind of at this point an unstoppable force. Like, blockchain is it's it's coming, right? For the mainstream, right? At, at some point, these will these NFTs will be a part of daily life. So it's going to be really interesting to see the businesses and the, the effects that it has on the economy and the new opportunities that they create. And, and like I said, I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been an awesome conversation. Before we hop off here, is there anything that you want our listeners to know, places they can go to find you, Twitter, et cetera? 
you can find cargo is www.cargo.build. Also, if you're interested in seeing the catalyst for all of this, it's Dolly, dolly.io, D-O-L-L-I.io. You can collect the digital Pizzaverse comic and Pizza Rob collectibles. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time. Thank you.